good morning class uh, welcome to art eater podcast number 43 uh, this is a very impromptu uh, podcast uh, it's just me and uh, professor andy and uh, both of us have just finished watching evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time so um yeah this is just us giving our raw unfiltered um uh, feedback on, on uh, what we just experienced all right so uh yeah Let's just go. Let's just go. Oh man, <laughs> you there, Andy? Yeah, like uh, the the rebuild. It first came out when I was in college, and now it's finished. And I am teaching college students that are the age I was when I was starting, like when the rebuild came out. So that's. Uh, just hit slots into like milestones in my life. Yeah, it's uh, it's very appropriate. I I think this is definitely the the kind of work that you 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 can kind of mi measure milestones in your own life against. You know, uh, yeah. just as a quick recap, uh, the Evangelion first aired in uh, 1995, right? So that was the first version, and then the end of Evangelion. Um, uh, that that was the movie version that that was sort of like uh, built upon the ending, uh, that came out in 1997, only two short years after uh, the the you know the show ended, um, and then the uh, rebuild uh, started in 2007, and the final film, um, Price Upon a Time, the third ending to the series, came out you know just now in 2021, um, so there was actually way more time between the first rebuild and the last rebuild and um you know the time between uh you know evangelion end of evangelion and then let's see 1995 to 2007 that's 12 years and then 2007 to 2021 that's uh 14 years. so more time between the first rebuild and the last rebuild and uh the original evangelion and the first rebuild Whew. oh man all right so that that was a lot to take in um yeah oh man where to start where to start so i ate a whole watermelon watching this movie really like an, an entire water watermelon Yes, I ordered a half a kilo of salmon, a watermelon, a mooncake, and four cans of beer. And then I arranged a wonder scale model and gave a unit one in a way that uh, kind of re appeared in the movie. It was like this, this resonance of like, I just felt this is the proper arrangement for these food items and my evangelion toys and wow. then it appears in the movie i i i saw the photo and that, that was a 100 percent sync ratio ahead of time so we um yeah save that photo we'll <laughs> we'll somehow publish that ahead of time but you yeah you you you, you prophesize the imagery in the movie with your meal yeah it's you know it is the time for the autumn festival coming or something so the mooncake, I, I haven't eaten one in a while. I just really wanted to eat it with the watermelon. Hmm. Yeah, it's appropriate. Yeah. By not going for the full kilo of salmon, I 
could arrange all of these other items with. You know, a mooncake. I mean, uh, mooncakes are for the moon uh, mid-autumn festival, right? The moon viewing uh, festival. Yeah. And it's it's all about uh, looking at the moon and reflecting upon how, um, you know, no matter where you are, no matter how far you are away from your loved ones, you, you see the same moon, right, in that in that 24-hour period. Um, so that, yeah. that's, that's quite appropriate. Yeah. Man, where to start? Where to start with this movie? It's you want to do go? spoilers, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We should give people a warning. Uh, we will absolutely spoil this movie. Like, uh, nothing's um, off limits. No holds barred. Like, uh, yeah, let's just, like, tear into it. You want to go the first? of the movie, it's... Uh... Yeah, it just feels like like all these moments of like things that were influenced by Evangelion. I saw it in the film, like in uh, Digimon 2020 when Greymon evolves into War Greymon. There's this moment where he's consumed by the phantom head of Mugendramon or Machindramon. Like just the... Uh, the jaws clamping shut on Greymon before he transformed. When I watched it in Digimon 2020, like it made me tear up because it just felt like, like uh, there's just this purity of that emotion and that there's just something tremendously dangerous behind. And then you see uh, similar imagery in Evangelion. 3.0 plus 1.01. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, I um, <laughs> I, I I cried my eyes out watching this movie. I, I I was just overcome with emotion. Like, I uh, yeah, I I haven't cried this much since uh, well, I don't know since. Yeah, since since a very personal moment, <laughs> the two of us shared a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, that that was very cathartic. This movie, um, yeah, hit hit hard but uh, gently at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really truly. Um, if there's a thesis for uh, this podcast, um, and I, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure of this, even though we we have not discussed anything ahead of time. If there's any thesis to this, it's that Evangelion really um, ended up being a neon uh, genesis. I think yeah. uh, it really fulfilled that <laughs> three times too. I, I it's a really fascinating work. It's because uh, because Evangelion was such a big deal, right? Um, originally came out in 1995, right, mid 90s, right before the turn of the millennium, and uh, it was the defining anime, I'd say, of the 90s. I I I think that's fair to say. I, I think it really was the defining anime of the 90s, if if you look at both. Japan and just uh, globally, and then it's continued to um, kind of seep its way into everything after, ever since. And e even though there's even more popular stuff now, I think um, it continued to reinvent itself. And oh, God, it was fascinating. Uh, just stay relevant, you know. 
Yeah, like in 1995, it just it was kind of the the nexus of all of the, the great animes of 70s and 80s flowing into it. Yeah, yeah, not just anime, Early. also like Tokusatsu and like everything, yes. right? I think Ano was kind of putting uh, just everything that he liked into it, right? Yeah, and he's a very studied man. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great man. <laughs> For me, uh, watching, so I watched uh, 3.33 before this, and uh, the moment in 3.33 that made me tear up was when Asuka just goes, you know, as Mary goes into the beast mode. Asuka also like just gives it her all in, in the combat. Yeah, there's a moment. I think it's Asuka Zeva. She like bites into like an enemy blast, and that's very interesting because I feel like my my college Andy, middle school Andy, would have probably been just thinking of Shinji, like relating to Shinji the whole time. Mm. Even with three point oh plus one point zero one. It's also uh, that moment when Asuka removes her eye patch and, uh, you know, taking on the blood of the angel that made me tear up. I think it's similar to the that consumed by the power moment in uh, when Gendo, you know, walks into the mouth of Unit 13 that imagery where they're not really like they're not saying anything they're not really like their vocalization is just a pure emotion yes i to me that 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 uh, absolutely that, that 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 was uh where i mean where evangelion has always drawn its power but especially like i, I think it really embraced it with the rebuild right like uh yeah. So it's a neon Genesis, right? Genesis is a, is a it's a new beginning. It's a way to like make make sense of the world, right? It's it's religious. I I I feel like with the rebuild, Ano has really just embraced to that. Like, you know, what started as him working out his um, hangups, right? Working out his personal uh, issues. Um, it resonated with so many people. And then I think with the rebuild, he's just embraced that, like, this is a new, it's effectively a new religion. <laughs> oh, yeah, all religions are made of stories. Yeah. And Ono knows that uh, in his act of finding and saving himself, he could, I think what made him, I don't want to speak for him, but it does feel like he appreciates uh, the impact his work has made for so many other people. And now he's, uh, you know, embraced that yeah. paternal role. Yes, yes. That, that That's a huge part of the rebuild. I mean, that that's something that's always loomed over the whole series. Like in the original, you know, you, I mean, it's always been about at the core, it's always been about Shinji and Gendo, right? Shinji and his father, 
and uh, that push and pull, you know, Shinji really wants his father's approval, and and you know, vice versa. But uh, my God, like uh, they never fully resolved it until this one, right? In in the other ones, it's always like Shinji is fighting against um, the influence of his father. Right, and then in this one, like he actually fights his father. <laughs> they, they, they finally actually fight. It's, it's, yeah, you, there's someone you. They rest their head on your shoulder, or you kill them. Yes. Yeah, they they even say it in the movie. Yeah. I enjoy that's what Misato says. Uh, like watching 3.33, it did uh, 2.22. Like, Sato was the one that uh, gave, that supported Shinji and the partial instrumentality. She didn't know that would happen either. Yeah. So, uh, what really hurt Shinji is that she didn't tell him that part. You know, she didn't accept her responsibility of being the one that gave him confidence and telling him to do what he wishes. Uh, what What do you mean? Can you can Can you uh, elaborate on that? You remember in two point two two when um when they're beginning to uh when uh, Shinji's going to pull you know uh, he's going to save Raya Ayanami. Yeah, which is uh. In a way, his own self. That's who, like, that's the name of the the child, female name. You know, that's the yeah. uh, pure being from within himself. Right, right. And everyone right. was like, "Oh my God, instrumentality is going to happen." Masato was the one saying, "Do it, Chinji. Do what you want." Right. I mean, um, yeah. Like e e even in this last, the, this fourth rebuild, uh, right? They they they, say, they 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 tell you that um, when uh, right right when Shinji um, before he was born, right? They didn't know if it would be a boy or a girl. And they said uh, if it was a boy, the name would be Shinji. If it was a girl, the name would be Rei. Right? Yeah. 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 So he, he, he's trying to save himself. It's all like uh, it reminds me of that um, that essay that Hayao Miyazaki wrote, right? About... Yes, it is exactly that. <laughs> I feel like like it was spoken right into Anna's soul. Yeah. Can you uh, uh, for for the listeners because because we're having a very personal conversation here, but we're also recording it for posterity. Can you re, uh, can you explain to the listeners what we're referencing with the Hayao Miyazaki essay? The Let's say we're, uh, let's see, Izaki, he reviewed some student films. I guess they're university students. Yeah. Um, this was what, in the 80s? This... I think late 80s. Honestly, 80s. Yeah, like, this would be after Nausicaa, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was like pre widespread internet. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just read it out because this is Art Eater. Okay. At a certain point, at a certain period in life, that unbalanced time of transformation from boyhood to youth, young males with a certain tendencies start to see a sacred symbolism in stories about girls. I do not intend to analyze the reason for this. 
All I know is that, for better or for worse, such youths are recreated year after year. Their repressed feelings are too deep to be dismissed by insisting that they just have a Lolita complex or that they are resolving it in role-playing games. That resolving it in role-playing games is perfectly fine. This type of youth begins to feed the girl within himself. The girl is part of him and a projection of himself. She is someone of the opposite sex who offers him unconditional forgiveness. What is more, she is not like his mother who swallows him up in her room and strips him of his strength. Instead, he is able to take action and display his strength for the sake of this girl. Some call her an idealized female, but I disagree. The ideal is universal, whereas in this case, it is something, it is someone of the opposite sex who exists only for him as an individual. So that basically describes Ray, but yes. then this next shorter paragraph goes, Women who are striving for their independence despise these girls. <laughs> they feel this ideal is a one-sided attack on the part of men who are trying to fit women into a mold. But we are not really like that. We cry out that men are also crawling on the ground and riffing about. Women who pretend to be cute have two things feeding their rage. They're forced by men to behave a certain way and are masochistically unable to ignore men's attitudes towards women. And that's Asuka. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that's Evangelion in a nutshell, or at least Evangelion before the rebuilds. Yeah. And, yeah. In re and in the rebuild, this Ayanami Rei, she's able to exist for others, not just for Shinji. Yeah. Like that that baby loves her. Yeah. The baby yeah. can't talk, but you know, it's a feeling of love. Yeah. Those women, those farmers, they appreciate her. They, she works for them. They teach her. She learns from them. They love like having another. They they see her as one of their own. That is the very first time that somebody, that Ray uh, Ayanami has belonged to a group. Yeah, not just an individual, not just a singular purpose, but to a general group. To belong in a society. Yeah, I thought that was very powerful. So I think um, I, I, I think the rebuilds, what they're about is, um, so, I mean, there's a 100% chance that Ano read that essay from Hayao Miyazaki. I mean, like, they're beyond... There's like, a, there's like an invisible percent chance that this is a conversation that you had that was never recorded elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, just for the listener's sake, um, of course, you know, Hayao Miyazaki is uh, the pretty much, well, he's bar none, the most popular director ever in Japan. And, and you know, just one of the most beloved, influential um, uh, greats. And, and, and he is the mentor to uh, Hideaki Anno. Right? So even though um, Hayao Miyazaki has 
uh, at least to, to Anglophone audiences, Miyazaki is sort of uh, seen as um, the, 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 the cream of the crop, the god of anime, right? The, you know, he, he's the most beloved um, figure in the West. And then, uh, but a lot of people don't know that um, his, his disciple, his, 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 his favored son, <laughs> metaphorical son, is Hideaki Anno. He loves this super otaku director. He's supported him throughout his entire career, right? Even the original Evangelion um, happened largely uh, through uh, Hayao Miyazaki's, uh, uh, you know, emotional, psychic support of Anno, right? Yeah. yeah. He's like, uh... man, he's Koji, isn't he? <laughs> The guy growing his plants pretty yeah. distant. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, he's the adult. <laughs> yes. He was the adult on his life. Right? Yeah, this is how an adult man can be. Mm. And be attractive to women. Yeah. Yeah, see, like, Miyazaki was actually married, actually had kids, um... Unlike Anno, Miyazaki's a, well, I don't know, I can't speak for Anno, but Miyazaki's very much like an A-type uh, personality um, from, I mean, you could tell just by watching him. He, he's a pretty confident person. He, he's, he's a, doesn't give a shit what, you know, other people think. He'll just say what's on his mind. Um, I, Anno has that in, in him too, but uh, he's also probably, Anno's the one that's more relatable to most uh I was going to say nerds, but just <laughs> probably most What's human you? beings, most humans that grew up in society not having to fight for their lives. So the mystery element of Miyazaki is when he talks about being a child and like loves his mother and his father was a really terrible person. Uh, you know, he uh, fell in love with Lady Whitesnake in the toy animation, crying that such a beauty doesn't exist, but it was like having a lover. Yeah. So, uh, oh, when did he become so bored and confident in life? Because his childhood essays are like just about how miserable he is and like feeling he has to act a certain way, just crying out. I guess it, I don't know, he's, I don't recall him writing it this way, but it does seem to be like, like is his wife just the pillar of confidence, like the bedrock of his life? I don't know, because he, he doesn't talk about her very directly, actually, in uh, most of his writing, right? Yeah. She doesn't really uh, come up directly in his essays. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good question. That's a very interesting question. I think we can kind of like reverse engineer that because Miyazaki talks about things he doesn't respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you can you elaborate on that? Well, he'll go like, I don't like when the giant robot anime pilot, when he doesn't repair his own giant robot. Or like, I found this grotesque imagery of Christ dead, your God dead, to be be very grotesque. I'd rather look at the Guanyin, <laughs> which uh, 
Seems to have gone into Evangelion too, because it goes into very grotesque religious imagery. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like for Mizaki, maybe the most sacred thing are the things you don't talk about. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, you know, th there was that uh, Ano Tomino interview where they were talking about Miyazaki, right? And they say, like, uh, they're talking about Porco Rosso, right? And how that's supposed to be his most uh, personal film, right? And they yeah. said, you know, Miyazaki promised to, like, expose himself, right? This would be where he would lay it all bare, right? He, he would show his dick to the world. And then when right. you watch the movie, it's like, you know, he does, he's not whipping it out. He's he's wearing, like, a, a beautiful pair of underwear, right? It's it's very curated. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that, that was Anno's most, uh, most uh, yeah. harsh criticism of me, uh, loving and harsh criticism of Miyazaki. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was Miyazaki who said he would be naked. I think it's because Anno already... No, it's Anno said that Tomino, his films are grotesque in its nudity, but that's great. <laughs> and then Tomino thanked him. And yeah. like, yes, that is his intention, to be naked and expose yeah. everything in his body. Yeah. But Miyazaki is just... He's just bragging about his good underwear. And, yeah. and Porco Rosso is just... It's like, oh no, he's a middle-aged man turned into a pig, but this, this, like, this hot woman and these cute girls all love him. Right, right. The, 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 the beautiful, like, uh, you know, twenty-something girl and the, the beautiful older woman—they're both in love with him. Yeah. 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 All right, all right. Okay. To take it back to Evangelion and that essay, that right, that essay Miyazaki wrote. I think he was absolutely spot on about. Um, how these pure uh, girls in uh, these works of fiction represent, um, they're not just an idealization, right? It's not, it's not just wish fulfillment, it's um, a part of the creator themselves. It's, it's, it's the desire to accept yourself uh, externalized into another person. And I think, um, okay, so to bring it back to Evangelion, uh, I think what's unique about the rebuild is uh, the original Evangelion was a big, big deal. Um, it really was the most impactful anime of the 90s. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, on, on the surface, it was just like awesome. It was really exciting, beautiful. Uh, it really pushed art direction to new, new, new echelons. And, you know, and then a layer beyond that, it was one of the first mainstream things that talked about, like, uh, psychological health, you know, talked about uh, mental health, um, it, it, which is more common today. Things pretend to be about that, but, like, it was really about that. But then um, I, I think with the rebuilds, what's unique is you have this creator who created something that was so such a cultural uh, and emotional touchstone for a whole, like, epoch. Um, you know, like, like anime, like Japan on, on the brink in the nineties. Um, and you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say right now, anime is just super global now. Like, uh, it, it's, it's the new mainstream after Hollywood. Um, but with the rebuild, you have this unique situation where the original creator is coming back to the story. And, you know, it's not like, you know, Star Wars, where it's like, oh, you know, I wish I could have done this or that, like, slightly differently, and like, uh, oh, I'll add more CG here and there. 
like this is him completely redoing the story with more life experience, right? And I think the key, the, the, the absolutely crucial difference between the original and the rebuild is that the original is an otaku, a very lonely otaku, very relatable person laying it all bare, right? Very lonely person, uh, very talented and capable, um, expressing his loneliness through the anime. And it, it, it definitely um, hit a nerve with a lot of people all, all over the world, I, mostly young men, but I, I'm sure like all sorts of people, every, all kinds of people, every gender, you know, like uh, related to it. But I think with the new one, so with the original, it was all theoretical, right? I, I think always um, with any work, you, you put uh, something as personal Evangelion, right? Like you put a lot of himself into the characters, but like, I think most people assumed that Shinji was the author insert character, but actually Gendo has always been more, the more literal author insert, right? Because I, I think Ano is not, um, you can't be Shinji and run a studio, right? You can't be like a, a lost teenager and like run a studio and create like a franchise that makes billions of dollars, right? So he's always had that part of him, that raw teenage, you know, just lost child. But then he's always also been Gendo, just very cold and calculating, right? And then, and then we, uh, see. We did all you Hano. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The based on Kazuhiko Shimamoto's life slash manga. Like uh his character like that characterization of Hideaki Ano in college, like that's that's young Gendo. Uh, just for the listeners, Arihono is an amazing um, uh, uh, sitcom based off of an awesome manga by uh, uh, a comic book artist who actually went to college at the same time. Uh, he was classmates with Ano and the founders of Gainax and all these amazing Kazuhiko creators. Shimamoto. Yeah. And, it was Kazuhiko Shimamoto. Yeah, and he himself went on to become a, a, an amazing uh, manga artist. And in Arihono, like, um, Ano is his rival. And Ano is, uh, you know, Gary to his ash. Right? Like he's always a step ahead of him. So if, if you watch Evangelion, you think Ano is Shinji. You think, oh, you know, he's like this lonely, sad, emotional um, wreck, right? But if you watch Aoihono, he's this cold, <laughs> calculating, super talented figure that's just always a step ahead of everyone. So he's, he's actually Gendo. Yeah. But um, so, the three point three three, like the way they drew young Gendo, it looks like, oh, like that's that's how Ano looks in uh, Ano. Yeah, the idealized Ano. Yeah, yeah. So, so in the original, right, in in Evangelion and end of Evangelion, um, Gendo was always the one actually behind the scenes, the puppet master engineering everything right and he's using his son his flesh and blood to to for his own gain right and always in all three uh, rebuilds or well in all three versions of evangelion his ultimate goal is always to reunite with his wife right to reunite yeah. with um uh what was her name yui yui yeah 
and, and, you know, Ray is a clone of Yui, but it's never, she's not the real thing. He wants the real thing, right? So the, the flesh, yeah, flesh and blood is not the same as recreating the soul and the memory. Yeah. So, With Gendo, right? This fictional character Gendo, who's also the author insert, um, he's driven by a desire to reunite with his wife, who who was sacrificed through their combined ambition, right? Um, and he's so driven to see her again, and no substitute will do. He needs the real thing, right? Yeah. But when Anno made the original Evangelion, and when he made End of Evangelion, he didn't really have a real Yui, right? He he wasn't married. He didn't have um, someone in his life that he loved that much that also like accepted him. So. It goes back to what we were saying about the Miyazaki essay. He's chasing after an ideal, yeah. right? So he's trying to answer um, the the questions of the human condition, right? Why do people persist? You know, what's the point of life? And um, even then, right? Even theoretically, it was about uh, love and acceptance, but it was theoretical, right? But he did the rebuilds after he actually got married. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's married to Moyoko Ano, who, who, who's a very accomplished artist. She was already a super amazing, uh, super popular top manga artist before they got married. Um, I think they were introduced to each other by a mutual friend, and they, they, they didn't even like each other at first, but they, I don't know, somehow they hit it off, and they've been happily married for a long time, right? And I, I, I feel like the rebuilds um, are very much about how different his perspective on life has been after getting married. And I think the final film is 100% about how much he loves his wife and how that figures into everything. I don't know. What, what do you think? It's really cool to see the library with Mayoko Ono's Mango in there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When Shinji visits, uh, sorry, uh, Ray. Ray's learning about the world, the 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 Ray clone, and and she visits the library, right? And it's full of <laughs> his wife's manga. Like yeah. in the old ones, older cycles of Evangelion, he's reading books because like accumulating knowledge is, it's kind of like in 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 pursuit of Gendo because he accumulates knowledge, right? But now, now Ray is. She gets to read a book for fun. Yeah. She gets to experience relaxation. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing that, you know, the works referenced before are like, uh, you know, obviously Anno's like uh, referencing a lot of stuff that he grew up with, um, like Ultraman and Ideon and other stuff, but um, also dips into like classical art, right? There, uh, classical music figures into uh, Evangelion uh, since the beginning, right? these uh, timeless works um, and I think it's kind of amazing that he's <laughs> with the last rebuild he's placing his wife's work you know alongside like Beethoven because um, why not it, it really did mean that much to him yeah, yeah. Um, like Otto, Mayoko, Otto, Mayoko, Miyazaki they 
as time moves forward, their place in history is like, you know, they're going to be remembered as long as this continuous human history continues. Yeah. And Anno's part of that too. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And I, yeah. I feel like this would, that's what's really special about the rebuilds. It's, it's, it's very conscious of that. Um, the original was an attempt at that, right? It was him. I don't know. He, he was what, in his 30s when he made the original, right? He, he was, when yeah. you're 30, you're not a young man, but you're starting to really come into your own, right? And you're starting to really understand uh, life. Um, and he put everything into that. And he called it Neon Genesis because it was sort of the culmination of his life since then. And then yeah. with the rebuild. Yeah. Close to his age when he made Evangelion in 1995. Yeah. And I think um, what's amazing about the rebuilds is now he gets to reflect on how influential that all was, right? How um, he hit a raw nerve that so many people related to, like hundreds of millions of people across the world. And now knowing that knowing that he has this captive audience he gets to redo it and he gets to tell him like okay well you know you you really related to what i put out there before let me uh as a more mature man as a more self-realized person let me put something else out there for you <laughs> for me um let me know if you relate to it like for me watching the rebuild about halfway through, I, I, I just sort of gave into it. I was, I, I didn't even watch three, I didn't rewatch like 3.3 beforehand. I just kind of went into this cold. I kind of forgot a lot about the rebuilds. Um, I, but you know, I, I was so captivated by it. And halfway through, I just realized like, yeah, this is a, this is my religion. <laughs> This is what I believe in, and um, I just sort of gave myself to to uh, uh, the 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 Holy Spirit of it. Um, I'm sure there's some Christian or Buddhist terms to it, right? Where, where yeah. you know, whether it's a, a providence or um, grace or uh, uh, the noble path, <laughs> I I just sort of like I realized um, even if I don't. 100% intellectually, consciously understand all the symbols. I'm like, I am down. I'm totally down for this because emotionally and uh, most notably aesthetically, this fulfills my soul. <laughs> and uh, I really related to it, you know? And it, that, that was really something for, for, for over two hours kind of like sharing this intimate moment with someone I've never met, but I know, like, I know that I understand what he's going for, and I know that he's doing it for me, if that makes sense. Or the, That's the, the feeling, too, yeah. especially with, um, with the imagery. Yeah. Like, uh, they're using a Like when they're talking and they show like the cuneiform in the background, right. it's you know, when we talk about where the tree of life comes from. And uh, one of 
the points I always made was that the Christian and Jewish tree of life, they didn't make it up. They just took something cool that already existed and applied their ideas to it. Absolutely. And then they're showing like things we don't we don't know what it means. We have like old tree of life's from you know the fertile crescent and that cuneiform era. We don't know what it means. It just looks cool. And then, like, that's that's why uh, in Evangelion, it's like, oh, they were like, it's 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 not like a Christian story. It's uh, it's about like even this imagery is older than the text and the story of that religion. Yeah, and that's uh, why um, a lot of people like to say, like, oh, you know, like Anno admitted he only put in the imagery because it looked cool. But I think that's his true insight into the nature of religion. Um, not just Christianity, yeah. but religion itself. He seems to know that it was like just that that Italian guy in was it the 1300s or 1400 that just decided I'm gonna apply the tree of life to Jesus because no one has done this before. And the 1300s, like that's a time we have a lot of the 1400s or maybe it's 15. I don't. It was in the range where it's like, we definitely know what was going on, and there's all this stuff written. <laughs> so it was like, and he actually uh, got declared like a heretic for like trying to insert this foreign stuff in. But it just became so popular, everyone rolled with it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So one who understands it, and uh, oh, then the imagery at the, when they, uh, the wonder. You know, the wonder has a spine, and then they turn its spine into the final spear. It's not a spear granted by gods. It's created by humans. Yes. It's the Vajra thunderbolt that dispels oh, illusion. my God, you're right. It's the made Vajra from the spot oh my of a God. saint, and it's wielded by Indra. Oh, oh that's good. Um, I, I, just for the listeners here, we're, we're referencing uh, the the uh, Vedic uh, texts. So um, you know, the, the, this is the uh, uh, pre-Hindu uh, texts, right? E even older than the uh, Hinduism, which led to Buddhism. Uh, yeah, yeah, the old stories about how um, uh, was it was it Indra that wielded it. It's, um, there's the, uh, Ritra, who is the antagonist god. He hoards all of the waters for himself, yeah. and, um, Indra needs a weapon to defeat him, and this saint says, you know, you can make this divine bolt from my spine. Yeah, uses, um, uses although I think the inscription of the, the saint, it might be, um, it might be Hindu at that point. Oh, okay. Like I, I'm not very. I, I don't know all of the exact terms. Yeah. It's in the, uh, like the thunderbolt existed in the Rig Veda, but then the uh, I think the the saint uh, was a prominent part of the uh, Purana telling of the story. Okay. okay. But um, the important part is that it's it's not like a weapon that was already like existing before time or like falling from heaven it was something that was made by people yeah ah oh, that's beautiful 
Man. Granada would essentially reach something like this. It's a, yeah. it's a resonating story. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. super resonant. And I, I, I think the, the last one is very um, self-conscious without being uh, without being cute at the meta, right? It, it, it goes way beyond um, a lot of uh, uh, modern stories, modern in the, you know, in the um, definition of modernism. A lot of modernist writers, they get too cute with the self-consciousness, right? And it's all about like, hey, it's so meta, you know, like, uh, uh, Anno takes all that self-consciousness and he, he, he creates a new mythology, <laughs> a new mythology that doesn't just satisfy um, your intellect, it satisfies your heart. <laughs> and and uh, that's, that's really amazing. And like a religion and a fandom, like, you know, it's religion is kind of like a shared story that a group of people can relate to yeah. and share shared feelings towards shared stories. Right. It, it's a religion that you've seen grow in your own life and you, you've taken a, a part of it, right? Yeah, it's a very intimate thing. And I, I feel like this last one was really, really conscious of that. It, it's he's telling you like, yes, like this is what it's about, because uh, you, you see Shinji and uh, all the main characters, Shinji and uh, Asuka and Rei, um, they haven't aged, right? Uh, you know, through pl uh, uh, through plot reasons. You know, um, Shinji was stuck out of time, and like Asuka and Rei are like sort of like weird clones. They haven't aged, but then um, for the first half of the movie, you see the three of them wandering around like, uh, you know, this new world, right? In this new uh, Japan that's recovering after the almost third impact, and everyone else is aged. And when they run into the side characters, they've, they've aged in real time. They are yeah. my age as a viewer, right? They are the age where they've grown up and had careers and gotten married and had children. Whereas these characters, um, these these religious figures, are stuck in 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 time. I, I just I, I thought that was very powerful. That was uh, like within the story. That was like very surprising to me when yeah. they go through that wasteland of just red and and then it uh it felt like nausicaa the valley of wind they even yeah. have their wind turbines yeah they are in a valley sheltered from the miasma of uh the god warriors and their corpses are just lying around I don't know who did the opposite of what Miyazaki did to represent the God Warriors. Miyazaki had their heads as like a, a tower you could climb into. Ano has them all headless and their bodies are just laying around. Yeah, he, he chose a different path from his spiritual father. Yeah. In a weird way, 
not not a weird way, in a very direct way. Ano likes people more than Miyazaki does. I think. I I, I think they're both very. Um, I think they both love children, right? They want to create a better world for young people, right? People, they, they, want, they want to give young people the freedom to kind of create a better world. But um, I think Miyazaki tends to be very disappointed in older, jaded people. And I think Anno is much more forgiving. And it's sort of like Miyazaki dreams of just sort of like wiping everything out and restarting. And Anno, um, is offering this weird chance at redemption through his work. Hence the, uh, you know, Miyazaki is the Old Testament God. <laughs> and Anno is like Jesus. <laughs> I'd say it's, well, Miyazaki had to, like, create that path, though, you know? Yeah. And then Anno is offering rest. Yeah. I think uh, Anna is just kind of saying, you know, you can just have a pretty average life, and that's pretty darn nice. Like, that's an accomplishment just to live. Yeah, it's not bad. I feel like the way they deliver the line, Iku, to live, just stands out. Yeah. Because, uh, hmm. I don't know, that, uh, that village number three, you know, connected by railroads, but they still, they have super technology provided from above to, uh, keep back the monsters. Yeah. The, Man, then the showdown with Shinji versus Gendo. When when they started fighting in Unit 13 and Unit 1, I at first thought, like, this fight looks really weird. It's like the buildings are, are like, hardboard. Yeah. And then he slammed into the, uh, the painted sky. It's like, oh my god! It's a suit actor fight yeah yeah it's uh i wonder if it's almost like ano's sort of old self versus uh not just his new self but sort of the potential of everyone viewing it right it's overcoming his old uh pessimism did uh did you finish the nausicaa manga yeah you did course. right yeah 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 let's spoil remember that too. Let's, let's spoil yeah, yeah the uh the emperor in nausicaa he had that one eye on his helmet mm. you his, think uh, uh, gendo's new look was a reference to that there are also like super sentai villains that looked like that too yeah i think uh 
it's just like it feels like a permanent eye of judgment, but it's also hollow. You can't judge him back. Yeah. Ultimately, it's uh, he's he's forcing these things on other people. Yeah. So it's you could boil it down to a choice to live versus uh, just someone doing things just because they say that's the way it should be or that's it's the better way to do it. Like that, that does seem to be uh, kind of the trademark of villainy. Well, um, yeah, especially for, uh, uh, at least in anime and manga, um, the trademark of villainy is people who are just willing to sacrifice others for their goal, like, w without a choice, right? It's one thing to be personally strong and to have other people that support you, that willingly sacrifice for you, but uh, generally the villains are people who are willing to sacrifice people who have no choice in it. In the Kirby games, Kirby will never tell anyone what to do. <laughs> he eats and he relaxes. <laughs> and then uh, the Meta Knight, he appeared because he was disgusted with the lazy lifestyle of the residents of whatever they call the Kirby Kingdom. So he was a Kirby who, who forces others to uh, do things. I think he had a bunch of uh, minions work on his sky ship, and they're quite loyal to him because they enjoyed being told what to do. <laughs> well, a lot of people need that. Yeah. Or, um, th that's aspirational for a lot of people. What's the name of Gendo's assistant? Oh, um, the other old guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Fuyutsuki. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The guy's like, <laughs> like the uh, perfect producer. Yeah. He just supports the director and whatever the director wants to do. Yeah. Thank you. His dialogue is like he's not, he doesn't want to do instrumentality, but he's just so enamored by Gendo's plan, he wants to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's a, certainly a path through life, right? Like, uh, could say he's like a cheerleader character. Yeah. Mary's character, uh, I don't know, does he, is she like somehow based on Mayoko Ano in some way? Oh, no, she absolutely is. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cheat for a moment because usually I, I, I try not to like bring outside information into stuff. I, I like to 
um, you know, if, if a story is really important to me, I, I like to just sort of uh, address it within its own terms, only what it presents. But uh, I do remember reading at some point that I think Anna said, like, she was re representative of his wife. Um, and crucially, you know, she was a new character that didn't exist in the, the old ones, right? So yeah. he she introduced she parachuted and landed on top of Shinji. Yeah. Like a collision. Yeah, just out of the blue, just dropped in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and for a lot of fans, they were like, who is this person? <laughs> like, why is she here? She's not an original character, right? She's only there to, like, support people. But that's what Ano got in real life. He, he, he suddenly you know, met someone that gave him support that he never thought he would get, right? So in the rebuild, she's sort of this deus ex machina character. And yeah, I, I, I could see why if you want to put on your thinking cap and be like, oh, well, I don't know, this doesn't make sense. She's just sort of like there to like move the plot along and like help people out. But that's... Uh, biographically true <laughs> to the author, right? Yeah, like, for Hideaki Anno, like, Mayoko Anno had an entirely different successful path and then, I guess, collided with him. Okay. So I, I, we, I, don't, yeah. Good. we don't know what Mary's exact successful path was to lead her to, but the important part is that for the story of Shinji is that Mary parachutes on top of Shinji and then right. and then their story continues. I, I, I can imagine for a lot of viewers if, if they're just watching this uh, with no context they'd be like what the fuck like he Shinji ends up with her right not with Rei not with Asuka right hmm. but um, for Ano who spent 13 years <laughs> between the first and last rebuild, um, and 10 years between uh, Evangelion and the first rebuild, um, going back to you know our thesis that this is about his new life, uh, largely changed by his wife and other circumstances, that's a huge difference, right? Like having this new layer of support come out of seemingly nowhere. Means uh, Shinji and Mar has known Mary longer than First cycle Shinji knew Rei and Asuka in a way, if we just count by production years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sort of, you know, going back to um, what I said earlier, right? There was no Mayoko Ano in the original Evangelion. So Gendo's love for Yui was theoretical. Or I don't know, maybe it was real. Maybe it was based on someone he had a crush on that, like, it didn't work out, right? Um, all we can say a hundred percent certainty that when he made the original Evangelion, Anno did he was not married, he did not have a life partner. Certainly, he was in love with people before that, but he didn't have someone that would reciprocate that for the rest of his life. So, it's a very different story. And I think the rebuild is about sort of the difference that makes, right? Even in the original, Kaoru came out of nowhere to just make Shinji happy. Yeah. 
you know, just chat with him in the bath. Uh, Kaoru was based off of uh, his uh, real-life friend, right? Yeah. I forget the name. It was um, the director of... Uh, um, what's the, <laughs> the, 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 the... The shoujo equivalent of Evangelion. Um, what is that called? Magic Knight Rare? What's that? Was it Magic Knight Rare? No, man. That, no, Magic... No, no, not... Um, Utena. Uh... Utena, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think he even said, like, they actually hung out in the bath together and had a similar conversation, and that, that's what led to that scene. Yes, they did. Uh, where can I find that scene? Let me look it up and use uh, his facial expression in photos. Like, he, he is doing the Kaoru face uh, when he's looking... Yeah, it's Kunihiko Ikuhara, who's the director yeah. of Utena. And yeah. If you see him, <laughs> it's definitely Kaharu. He's, yeah. yeah. He's a very handsome man. They're talking about their adolescent feelings while drinking in the bath. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that did feel like it came out of nowhere in the original, and yet um, somehow it felt right. It's just like, oh, Shinji feels, you know, suddenly he feels accepted, right? I think something that 3.0 plus 1.01 does is that intro shows something we've never seen before. Another nerve base. So it's showing how large, like this was all of Earth, like was at war with the angels, you know? Yeah. So um, there is space for this growth. Or these stories that we don't know. Yeah, it was another part of the world. It was, uh, it was Paris. It was France. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that uh, rebuilt Ava Mary was using it. <laughs> it uses uh, like three axes that you have to turn around with her virtual steering wheel. Yeah. Well, I just that. Knowing that uh, this is how it functions, you know, this is uh, how much damage it's taken. It's been, it gives you a sense of resources, technology, and time passing in that Eva doesn't just have its arms restored. It has this very uh, impromptu system that's pretty wacky. You know, it's hanging off of like some kind of energy thread or super thread. Yeah. And then the... Uh, and then it turned out like, you know, uh, I guess Nerve France was secretly uh, building an army to fight other humans. Yeah. And they managed to salvage parts from all that. Yeah. And uh, by recovering Nerve Paris, they were able to rebuild like Unit, Unit 2 to some degree. Uh, yeah, that moment when Asuka pulls the that uh, that nullifier out of her eye, that's a smaller version of what village number three uses to uh, ward off the wandering headless monsters. And then just says the angel blood is going to overtake her like 
Uh, when it's bursting out of like the uh, makeshift repaired Evangelion armor to turn into this super monster. Yeah, she was in a... an Evangelion among Evangelions. Yeah. In previous movie, there was the the beast, but now like it's the angel. At the end point is uh, both endpoints are you know kind of losing your sense of self to become me just fighting in the moment like a pure emotion of aggression to survive that moment yeah it was also a callback to the end of evangelion right in 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 the uh, original end of the evangelion in 97 she had that incredible uh fight scene right that that's still the most powerful fight scene i can recall in any movie and it ends with her running out of energy. And it, you're so frustrated. It just feels so unfair, right? And um, the revived uh, artificial Ava units, they pierce her through the head, uh, through that eye, uh, with yeah. the, the, the artificial spear of uh, long, long, Longinus, right? Yeah. And here she's pulling it out. So it's a reversal of that. And part of mastermind Gendo's plan. Right. But uh, Gendo's plan, it revolves around everyone not changing. Mm. This is what Otto will do if she keeps on growing in that direction. This is what Asuka is driven by. This is what Rei will do for Shinji. Yeah. But then Shinji became an adult. And that foiled Gendo's plan to kind of uh, go into this eternal dwelling in the past, seizing that happy moment that was in the past and denying a future. But that's the ultimate message, right? I mean, yeah. If, if Gendo is the... If Gendo is... I mean, at that point, he, he is God, right? Yeah. And he, he is the most author-insert character. And th this is Anno writing a New Testament to the original Evangelion, knowing that there's millions of fans who emotionally hang on all of this, right? It's about... Uh, I mean, it's all about it's how so Shinji stands up to that. When all of those headless Avas just become, you know, those ray bodies, you know, slender body with nice boobs, and uh, that's kind of the kind of illusion that the the god Mara sent against, you know, the Buddha meditating under the tree, yeah. and he had to break through such an illusion. And then. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, um, because e even preceding that, like in the first half of the movie is a lot of mundane scenes, right? It's them just getting used to life uh, after the almost third impact, just sort of helping out around town. And the way a lot of things are shot, it's human scale, but they're still shot like they're Evangelions. They're still like, you know, this extreme perspective, but they're just doing things like planting you know, planting rice, right? Yeah. 
are just going about their lives. So it's sort of making that parallel between the struggle of these epic, you know, god warriors and sort of like just what people go through every day, right? And then one of the final shots of um, the movie, I thought this was amazing, was when, right, when all, you said before, the headless Avas turn into the headless Ray Ayanami bodies, these idealized, you know, like, um, womanly, um, idealized uh, bodies, simultaneously yeah. attractive and motherly. And then the final shot you see of them is they're just people. They're just normal people. Right. At the, the yeah. very, very, very end, um, when Shinji's made his decision, right, they turn into regular people. It's just like, okay, well, now it doesn't represent an ideal. It doesn't represent uh, this desire you have in your heart for someone to accept you. It turns into yeah. all the people around you, and it's more about you just accepting the world. Yeah, because that, that Hayao Miyazaki quote, it kind of revolves around the suffering of uh, just projecting ideals on real people. Yeah. He did not, Miyazaki didn't like give a an exact solution or ending to that example. He just stated it. He even said that he's not there to make a, a solution or something of it. He's yeah. just saying it. But Anno is, <laughs> right? Like the very, very final shot. What, well, one of the almost final shots is like after you see all those um, Evangelions converted into just normal mundane people, then you you see the new world that Shinji's created and it's photo real, right? For a moment, I thought it was, uh, maybe it was actual footage. And I thought it was maybe just like live action footage maybe it was cg maybe it was a blend but it, it's it's photo real looking and it sort of definitely represents sort of this embrace of uh real life right life yeah so i think i mean i i think that's for me that's what was so powerful about it the original is about um it's all theoretical it's very intellectual uh, deeply emotional, but um, it it a lot of the characters are theoretical. They're not based on real people. They're based on ideals and the desire for acceptance from other people. And the original culminates in um, this insight that you know it is about you. And really, like you you can't wait for everything to be perfect. You just gotta accept yourself, right? Yeah. And I feel like the new one, the rebuild ends with this message that like, oh, like you can break through beyond that, right? I, I always interpreted the original third impact um, in, in the end of Evangelion as sort of like this forced uh, enlightenment, this forced nirvana, right? It's, uh, it's not just Christian imagery, it's, it's very Buddhist too, right? This idea of becoming one with everything and sharing a, a consciousness, right? But, uh, good. Kind of returning to the, in some very old, maybe Vedic text, the idea of Ashura isn't like a demonic being, but it's a oneness that uh, before individual 
individuality rose from the oneness. That's one interpretation of. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, uh, uses it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was coming at it from the perspective of, um, you know, sort of, I mean, so in Buddhism, the idea is that uh, individuality um, is a bit of an illusion, right? Everything is part of a whole. And if you can sort of, uh, if, if you can evolve past um, thinking only about yourself, right? The ultimate goal is to just kind of become one with everything and be at peace with everything, right? And um, I thought Evangelion was sort of a forced version of that because sort of the, 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 the Buddhist ideal, the Eastern ideal is the dissolution of self and acceptance into like the universe. Um, and I think he was mixing that up with sort of a pop uh, Western Christian uh idea of heaven where you know you get to be yourself and have fun forever right yeah. and i felt like the third impact was sort of like the worst parts of all of that it was a very selfish person who just wanted to be with his wife again to meet that he he, he forces nirvana on everyone he forces everyone to become one with each other not because of their own cultivation and evolution, but because it's it's very artificial, it's brute force. And you know, that's why it's so wrong. And uh, yeah, again, I think I feel like with uh, and though, uh, actually, you yeah, finish your or go okay. on. I was just going to say, that, um, in the original, even even in the original, it was more about like, no, that's not the way. Like, you, you can't force other people to feel the same way you do, right? You can't just think like, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if the universe changed and people just understood how I felt? Um, you you got to make a greater effort to accept yourself and then, you know, just present yourself to other people authentically. Uh, that that's sort of how I felt about the original, and I, I think that still persists through um, the rebuilds. It's uh, if you force something to change, like you've changed it, it's not that thing growing. Right. It's um, something else. You've kind of erased it and replaced it, or yeah. you've broken it. Your new no, no, shape. That's, that's a really good. That's a really good point. That's not real growth. That's actually trauma. Yeah. When someone forces yeah. you to change, that's that's incredibly traumatic. When you change, not of your own choice, but because someone just forced you into that situation, like, yeah, that that, that fucks you up. Like what war biographies are about. Yeah with when battling Gendo and then they talk and then when when Shinji just you know approaches Gendo and that's Gendo acknowledging Shinji that's when he can see Yui again it's uh 
they don't say it directly, but it's Chinji is something that Gendo and Yui made together. Yes. Yui is very much alive in Shinji, and Gendo never saw that until that moment. That's quite powerful. At least for me. I mean, for me, that satisfies my uh, my heart, right? Yeah. It's, uh... It resolved it. That was the the, the core conflict of e Evangelion. It's resolved in that moment. Yeah, it led up to that exact moment when both Gendo and Shinji were both at peace together, with the same uh, the same idea. They uh. Because they, they don't say that, like, being at peace, that's pretty wonderful. Like, because uh, they did mention earlier, like, what's the name of that? Uh, Which character? Yeah, when Tsuko Akaki, she's asking Misato if she wants revenge. And then Masato says no, like, uh, wants to, she felt like it was just her making a future for everyone, like being a mother to her child, and I guess everyone that uh, would benefit from her action. Yeah. Ritsuko They're asks... driven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ritsuko asks. I was just going to say, and, uh, Ritsuko herself. She definitely wants revenge on Gendo. Yeah, she just immediately uh, shot him in the head. Yeah, that was that was such a great moment. I was like, oh my god, he is not human. Yeah, or at least he's presenting the image of surpassing humanity. Yeah, just scooping up some brain stuff to put in the hole in the back of his head. But I love that the hole in the back of his head, like, then shows that his his face is a hole. Like they showed the bullet hole first. That that was the human portion that's dead, and then they showed the living god part. That's just this visor hole staring. Okay, I, this is my speculation of, uh, I think, the strongest evidence that Mary is Mayoko Ano, because her greeting is that she's like a, a cute, big-boobed girl. That's yeah. what Shinji says. Mm -hmm. That's what he's told to say, and then Shinji says that and that. Well, that's what she says herself. Yeah. 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 Oh, just looking up photos of Mayoko Ano from the 90s, like, wow, her, her boobs are pretty big. <laughs> Good for her. Yes. And uh, then there's that part when, before the final battle, where um, 
Asuka says, uh, Shinji doesn't need a lover. Shinji needs a mother. Yeah. And then there's uh, the character, you know, Mary. Yeah, her name the is The Madonna. Mary. Yep. Her last name is Iscariot, though. It's a combination of uh, Mary and Judas. Well, there Which... were two Marys, right? Well, yeah, there was also Mary Magdalene, but I mean, she's almost certainly, you know, Mary the mother, right? Yeah. Well, maybe she's all three of those characters. Yeah. Uh, certainly anyone who feels betrayed <laughs> by this last movie and who thinks she's sort of like a last minute, like, you know, just a very sudden deus ex machina uh, solution they would feel betrayed right anyone who feels like shinji should stay depressed forever and they, they want to just hold on to uh, that despair um she she would be that figure the new figure that finished the evangelion story for yeah and also piloting the final wave yeah i mean that's a that 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 that's just it, right? She isn't. Uh, she isn't Mary in the Christian sense. She isn't Judas in the Christian sense. She's a, a new character. She's uh, the the flat of feeling and association that you hear from Mary Iscariot is all you really need. Yeah. Don't need to dive much deeper. Yeah. So. I think it's these, that's the, the way the imagery is used so well. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, man, I just felt really, I felt sad when that Rei Ayanami, her, her life expired. But then there's just that little glowing angel cross, you know, there. That was the first time seeing that cross wasn't threatening. Mm, that's true. It was kind of hopeful. Yeah. It's, uh... It's like the Pokemon Mewtwo movie. Yeah. Those clones didn't last. Yeah. Yeah, like, this reminds me of everything else that I really love. Like, Pokemon, Digimon, Xenogears. I mean, that's that's what a uh, that's what a proper re religious text should do, right? Or a proper mythology. It should uh, be so broadly relatable, right? That it it, it sort of um, just slots its way into like so many different memories that you've had. Those religious fundamentalists that are their religious otaku. Yeah. They just, in the negative sense. And I guess you could say this, this was made to release everyone's souls from Evangelion fundamentalism to just <laughs> Evangelion as a guide to living life. 
Yeah, I mean, which which it was from the beginning, I think, but uh, th th this last one was uh, even more curated, I think. I, that that's that's what that's what bowled me over about it. Like, so actual religions, right? If 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 you think about um, the, you know, the, the Buddhism, Christianity, um, certainly, the founders were. They must have existed historically, right? But uh, the actual founding of the religion. Um, so much of it happened way after uh, these people passed away, right? And so, you know, their legends grew and compounded and their people, it's, their followers kept adding to them. And with so many religions, they're built on something else, right? You know, like, um, you know, Buddhism certainly is an offshoot of uh, Hinduism. Um, I, I, I don't say that to cheapen it at all. Uh, that, that's a... Uh, could spend hours, years discussing that, but, but you know, like religion, culture, it, it keeps building on the past. But then, uh, with with neon Genesis Evangelion rebuild, you have the Messiah figure writing it himself in you know in real life, and he's still living, and he he can still explain himself, right? I think that's pretty special. Well, now he's gonna do. Now he's gonna do Shin Ultraman. Oh yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Oh right. Remember something earlier we talked about was the the very first Tokusatsu giant costumed character movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, it's a lost film. But it was in 1934, and it was, uh, the movie was about a, a, a giant Buddha statue in Japan coming to life and walking around, and you just see him walk through, you know, there, it's a suit actor, you know, like what you would think in all, it's like proto-Ultraman, and it's the Buddha, and like Ultraman, his goal is to, you know, the, to save people. And it ends with him like flying off into the sky. It's a lost film, so we only have uh, text and a few like screen like prints. Uh, I wish I could see that. That's awesome. I didn't even know that existed before, um, like an hour ago. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. The Great Buddha Arrival, Daibutsu Kaikoku. Yeah, and uh, Daibutsu, gi giant Buddhas are a thing in Buddhist art. Yeah, some some of the biggest statues um, in the world are are giant Buddhas, dai, dai Butsu. So that's awesome to be able to draw a direct line between that and the first Tokusatsu film, and then Ultraman, who definitely recalls the silhouette of uh, the Buddha, and the Evangelion, who definitely unmistakably is you know influenced by Ultraman. Yeah. So in this lost film, the, the Buddha statue awakens and he actually goes to hell. But I don't like, I've only seen the description. Oh, he, uh, he flies around hell and then goes to the clouds. And then his final destination is, you know, down to the earth, to Tokyo. 
Wow. I've only read, you know, a summary, though. But I wonder, like, man, what was that hell imagery like? What was that flying imagery like? Yeah. Oh. They had a miniatures sure. for the city, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, um... You just see... Just little bits. But it's like, yeah, it's it's Ultraman scale. That's so cool. And, it, and um, now with Evangelion Rebuild, like, uh, they take on... They feel like the... Like, Guardian statues and Ashura statues, like... Uh, these Avas, their wings are, it's like a ring, like, in those, like, 1200s Buddhist, Chinese, Korean, Japanese statues. And, uh, I don't know, like, Unit 13, it just, doesn't it kind of feel like that, that famous Ashura statue? Uh, when... Kofukuji? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's even got multiple faces if you count Kaoru Shinji and also its own face. Yeah. And four eyes and its four arms. Yeah. Yeah. Also felt like it, it, it also, the extra arms sort of like were emblematic of coming back to the story as a more. Um, seasoned uh author and just being i mean that that's what the rebuilds are right the first rebuild is fairly straightforward like seems like a pretty direct uh recreation of the tv show with like very minor alterations and then the second one like really diverges you feel like oh they're making better decisions right like shinji is a little more self-confident uh more self-assured he, he really He's he really uh, he tries to reach out to his dad in that second one, right? And then the third one is like, whoa, things get weird. Like, you know, just a little bit of enthusiasm isn't going to change everything, right? It, that that third one just went off the rails. I was just like, what the hell is going on? I don't I don't understand this movie. And then the fourth one just brings it all together. Like Hideaki Anno was playing Yoko Taro games. Yeah. Was, uh, especially with the first, like with the battles in this one, it feels like near Automata when you're in the shooter sequence. Uh, like all the drones and the, the bullet hell projectiles. Yeah. And uh, there's even sequence, like, I mean, protecting a hacker isn't like too unique of a thing, but just the combination of like bullet hell plus hacking plus. You know, uh, Savo that can do bullet hell or fight with a bunch of different weapons. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's very appropriate. I mean, that's ultimately like uh, that's what I got out of this last rebuild, right? It was taking for me personally. I don't I, I, I don't know how universal this is, but definitely for me personally, going into this. I felt like um, Anno was very consciously just 
taking everything I was familiar with, you know, like anime, manga, games, all these different conventions, uh, what uh, Anglophones love to call tropes, right? And just working off of all of that, just sort of digging deep into that and just accepting that, you know what, this is analogous to religion and mythology and just embracing all that and creating a story that hits uh, on the human condition, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the resonant thing, it's the human condition. I feel like, okay, um, just uh, this is, I don't know, this might sound weird or arbitrary, but like, uh, or, or just going too deep into it, but something very different about sort of the conclusions and values drawn from um, the rebuild versus traditional religion, right, is uh, a lot of older religions that people actually follow historically, um, their answers to the big questions are to sort of just like follow uh, providence or grace, right? Like live in a certain way that's in tune with uh, what a god or the universe wants. And generally it's very um, selfless and it's, it's all about sort of acting a certain way and just sort of having faith that uh, this greater power will take care of you, right? I, I'm, 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 I'm super simplifying it, but I, I, I you know, I, I think that's what, for a lot of people, um, that's sort of the, the uh, release that religion gives them. And then with Evangelion, um, I think it's taking more modern values, and I, I mean like emotional values, and, and, and then reconfiguring it into, <laughs> a new belief system that works with people like uh like older religions are not actually don't place that much of a premium on romantic love right like yeah you know uh, uh, jesus is like a virgin and the buddha um had a life right he had a wife and a child he, he, he gave up on all that right uh whereas um for modern people uh, well, uh not let's say for like a, a otaku audience, right? Like, um, and, and for a lot of people in general, uh, living in, uh, you know, having your, your basic needs taken care of in, uh, for lack of a better word, the, the first world where, you know, where, 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 where physical danger isn't like the most imminent threat. Like a lot of people long for uh, emotional and romantic fulfillment and, Ava sort of uh, presents that um, that ideal, that dream, but it, I don't know, it, it does it in a, a very fulfilling and convincing way because it's not about like, oh, you know, um, I think the original was about that. The original was like, oh, this thing theoretically exists. This person that will accept you theoretically exists, you know, for Gendo, for, as Yui, as Rei, as Asuka. But then when Anno found it in real life, um, that really changed his life. And that was rooted in, it, it's not selfish, it's an unselfish kind of love. 
It's, yeah. it's about helping other people. And I, I think it's a pretty practical way of getting over um, self-consciousness and being too far in your own head is uh, sort of the, the joy of supporting other people. Yeah. It's a, it's a place of rest. Yeah. Kind of. It's that Mary and big boobs. <laughs> it's uh goes to that other Miyazaki quote when he said, "Nazaka's." Large breasts are not for for men. They're to comfort the dying old people. Yeah, they're not for babies. Not just for babies. But then, uh, yeah, it's like these boobs aren't for babies or men. They're for comforting old people like me. <laughs> yes. But then this rebuild, this final movie, it shows the breasts for babies, and also like Shinji, you. You can enjoy those breasts too. It's okay. It's, it's good. Everyone. Yeah. To to elaborate on that, I, I remember reading um, something that Anno liked about um, his future wife's comics, right? Uh, Mayoko Anno. Um, I'm sorry, I, I don't I don't remember her her pre marriage name, but um, he he said something he really respected about her work was, uh, I think a, a lot of a lot of um, fiction is about an escape, right? It's about like wish fulfillment or like just sort of this um, escape, temporary escape. And he felt like reading her work, it was about easing people back into reality and sort of inspiring them to like be better within their own lives. And he, he thought that was really special. And um, I don't know, clearly she actually did that for him in his real life too. I think that was definitely, definitely the rebuilds would not have happened if he had not gotten married and had a happy marriage. Um, and to elaborate even more on that, uh, as far as I know, I, I don't know if they have children. Maybe they're super private or something, but I, I, I don't see any record of it online. But um, the movie definitely was about, I mean, like, you know, that baby figured really prominently into the first half of the movie. So it, the movie's very, very, very much about providing a better future for the future generations, right? And sort of the joy of um, helping out the next generation and prop, the, the, making sure they're doing better than your generation. Um, Even though uh, food is hard to come by, but they're still feeding that pregnant cat. Yeah. Yeah, even the cat gets food. Yeah. Help, like, the cat gets food, and they're also watching each other's kids when they're planting rice. Yeah. Like, uh, it goes back to Miyazaki's uh, glutinous rice connection of East Asia, or broadly Asian. The broad like, leaf evergreen forest hypothesis. Yeah, like uh, planting the rice. That is imagery that every 
that uses chopsticks and everyone that uh everyone from the countries that already have like evangelion in every bowl you know yeah that's something that is part of their ancestry our ancestry mm, that's true And, you know, you grow rice by planting it on soil, uh, dry ground first, and then after it sprouts, you, you transport it, or you replant it into a watery environment. And that, that's, that's why Asia has had the biggest populations historically, is through that innovation. Yeah, and that, you know, that imagery of planting a sprout in the water is analogous to like the the Ava pilots in the LCL fluid, right? Yeah, it's just something that works. You still there? Yeah. Kensuke Toji. They've always been very supportive. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, so, so something that I, was, I, I thought was interesting is you, you do see the imagery of, um, you know, there's the baby. There are characters that pass on their genes, right? Even Masato um, actually has a kid, right? Uh, she has her own um, not quite Shinji, right? Yeah. There was a... Uh... Like, when that character was revealed, like, before they showed, like, before, like, uh, well, we could see Koji, like, that was very hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, Kaji um, lives on. Kaji, yeah. Yeah. It's features of both Kaji and Masato, and it's. That child is neither of them, but he's also both of them, you know? Yeah. The miracle of of, of babies and people growing. Yeah. And from his brief time on screen, he didn't seem miserable like Shinji. He seemed like a pretty uh, fulfilled person. Yeah. And he, uh, This is the only world he's known. Yeah. And l later on in the movie, you do see Misato. She does have a picture of him. Yeah. She gets an updated picture of him. Shinji. Yeah. But I think, um, so the movie, within the realm of fiction, a lot of these characters um, have descendants. Um, I I don't know if Anno has kids in real life, but I think, um, I think it's clear that he thinks of his fans, at least through the filter of this movie, his fans are sort of like his kids, right? Yeah. So there's a psychic offspring uh, in the world, right? So if he's Gendo, then everyone else is uh, Shinji. And everything, if you, if you love Evangelion, right? Everything since 1995, um, 25 years ago, has been leading up to this moment where Gendo sets up this fight where Shinji can finally overtake him and just sort of like live his own life make his own decisions. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's what the rebuilds are about. I, I think that's very powerful.
I think it's very um, empowering, right? It's very much the director, the creator, really wants to put the power back into the hands of the viewer. Planting rice. Yeah, planting rice. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to take in. Like, I, I could definitely watch it again and um, maybe uh, try to be more analytical about, like, the symbolism and, uh, you know, dig deeper into this or that. But um, watching it the first time, yeah, I, ju I, I, I just gave in. I was just like, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm just going to accept whatever it's throwing at me. Like, I, I was, I, I just grieved with it emotionally. I, I, I did not need to, like, fully understand what every symbol meant, you know? Do you think the original Pen Pen was in this movie? <laughs> oh, that was a good point. Yeah, Pen Pen's descendants live on. Um, yeah. I, I did not note if any of them had a metal plate. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. I don't know how long penguins live. <laughs> Special penguins. I think it's almost. Um, I mean, I, I'm. I'm. This is really me more than the. You know, Anno. This is my interpretation, but it's like it all. It doesn't matter, right? Like, Pen Pen was already sort of a engineered life form, yeah. but uh, it doesn't matter because its descendants. Or it does matter, but the more meaningful thing is that Pen Pen saved his species and they will live on. His descendants Yeah, carried on. And that that's that's pretty amazing. Even if he's engineered, like it's not too different from the rice that everyone's planting or Ooh. that dog the cone that they decided or the cat that's all the animals that we see are ones that grew up that uh, acclimated to humans or They're shaped by humans. Yeah. yeah, you don't see any wild animal. Uh, maybe some birds. But yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, those falling headless avas, some of them do become cows. Yeah. Do they? Yeah, there's cows. There's like a woman and her cat. What do you mean? Like all those falling people at the end. At the end, yeah, okay. okay. It's like they just get to be there themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's it's it's a lot to chew on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any any other thoughts? Should we should we uh, wind things up? I think the uh, yeah, just in terms of imagery wise, the turning the spine of the saint into a thunderbolt, oh, a spear. That's very direct imagery. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the important part. It's it's cool. You feel you get a feeling, and the coolness delivers that feeling into you. Yeah. 
into your into your core through your AT fields. You yeah. drop your AT field when you're watching Evangelion. Oh, that's uh, that's it. I feel like that per perfectly encapsulates how I felt watching this. Like I, I let my AT field down. Yeah. Beautifully played. All right. Um, yeah. Shall we? Shall we uh, bring this to a close then? Yeah. All right. That was. Um, well, I'm, I'm. I'm glad we had this talk. Uh, this was totally, um, totally impromptu, not premeditated, but uh, yeah. Glad. Glad I was able to. Um, yeah, glad I was able to discuss this with you, Andy. Uh, Evangelion has been a big part of my life since I was since I was a teenager. You know, yeah. and it's it's really something just um, having that chapter finally close, and just what a finale! Right? I'm glad we. Uh, watched it together even though we're in different places <laughs> we both pre pressed play at the same time and then we were able to talk about it so even though we weren't in the same theater or the same room watching it on tv we were still able to watch it together and uh, yeah that's awesome like, uh, coordination resonance yeah All right. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it, let's. Uh, that's that's pretty much the end of this podcast. So that is. This is uh, Art Eater podcast number forty-three. Yep, forty-three. So um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, if you're tuning in, um, yeah, thank thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, if if you like our podcast. Um, you know, hopefully you'll you'll follow us on wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, if you want to catch up on old ones, uh, check out arteater.com. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R.com. Uh, you can listen to all, catch up on every single old podcast on there and also lots of our long-form essays and other articles written by me and Andy. Um, yeah, and I, I'm your host, Richmond. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Richmond Lee. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D underscore L-E-E. Um, I'm always on there. Shoot me a message. I'll be happy to chat with you. And you can follow the podcast at Art Eater Podcast. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R -E -E Podcast um, on Twitter. Uh, you know, whenever we uh, have anything new, that, that's the first place we'll announce it. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. And Andy, let people know what you're up to and how they can uh, follow you. It is teaching a semester follow me on twitter at uh, hokuto andy like hokuto no ken and then andy y hokuto andy yeah yeah and you're uh, working on your own uh, website too um i know whenever you're ready to announce that <laughs> let let people know Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone.